This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. I'm very glad to be with you this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Damien, you could have blackballed this easily. So thanks very much. I've heard a lot about your church and know many of you, and I'm glad to see some of you and also those new friends that I've made this morning. I love the passage we just read because it has changed my life. And maybe, if God is willing... It can change your life too. I would have to say that in our day, it's okay. It's it's cool to be spiritual. Have you noticed that? It's even cool to have a traditional spirituality, like a religion. And it's, it's good to go to church. It's good to go to mosque. It's good to go to synagogue. It's good to go wherever you want to go. That's just perfectly fine. It's fine to be religious these days, so long as you keep it to yourself. Yeah, so long as you keep it to yourself, it's just perfectly fine for you to be spiritual, to believe all kinds of things, to do all kinds of things. Just don't, just don't bring it up in polite conversation. And of course, a lot of us, we don't mind that ethic today, do we? Because we just assume not let anybody know what we believe as well. Well, when the Apostle Paul lived on this planet, things were like that for him too. There were lots of different groups of people around him. They believed all kinds of things. And he would go up to them and start talking to them about what he believed. And many times when he would do that, he was breaking protocol. Uh, People didn't want him to do it. And one of those groups that really wanted the Apostle Paul simply to leave them alone was actually a Christian group. As strange as that sounds, here's an apostle, here's a Christian group, a church in a city called Corinth. And in effect, they they appreciated him because he got their church going years earlier. But as time went, he also started messing around in their lives and telling them some of the things they weren't doing so well and uh, that they did not like. 
uh, Paul, we appreciate you, but you know, this, this thing about religion is really ours, not yours, so please just keep out of it. And I like this passage because the passage we just read is one where the Apostle Paul tells them, the Christians in Corinth, why he can't leave them alone. Why he can't just let his faith be a private thing. And why he keeps on bringing it up in conversations and even in his letters. He keeps messing around with their lives. And maybe if we can take a look at what was happening inside of him and how he explains this to them. Maybe we have an opportunity for all of us here to ask the question, should our faith really be that private? Now, I'm sure in a group this size, we have people all over the map when it comes to faith, when it comes to religion. I'm, I'm glad you're here if you're all over the map. I hope everybody here doesn't believe exactly the same thing. That would be a tragedy. Damien, do they all believe the same thing around here? Probably not. No, probably not. But I can guarantee you, if you take 50 steps outside this building, there are going to be tons of people who believe all kinds of things different from what you believe. And the world that we live in today is one where it's very easy and very comfortable to simply live your private life, to live your religious life, and let other people live theirs and just leave each other alone. But maybe if we can look at this passage, we can understand why Paul himself wasn't able to do that and why you and I shouldn't be able to do that as well. He says many different things in this passage. Just one of these rare passages where the apostle actually opens his heart up and lets people know what's going on way down inside of him. It's sort of embarrassing sometimes, some of the things he says here, but it's so personal. But this is the way it goes. The first thing he says, beginning in verse 16, is, I can't leave you alone. I can't just let my faith be a private thing because I've been changed. Listen to the way he puts it. From now on, therefore, verse 16... We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you've ever been around Christians much at all, you've probably heard verse 17 before. If anyone is in Christ, behold, new creation, old things have gone, new things have come. It's a very well-known verse in the Bible. And it is true, as he says here, that when men and women and children come to Jesus, when they trust in him, that change happens in them. They actually join what is called in the Bible new creation. It's not just that you become a new person, but that you become a part of something even bigger. A new creation that Jesus is bringing. And that he will bring in his fullness when he comes back again. But the apostle admits here then that people change. And maybe you've been around people who were not believers and then became believers in Jesus. And you saw changes. Maybe it happened to you. You probably saw changes in your moral life. You probably saw change in the way that you ran your family, your relationships, the way you do your job. I mean, it's all kinds of things that change when people 
become followers of Jesus and they become part of this new creation. It's a wonderful thing. And if you're looking for a change in your life, this is the way to get it. Come to Jesus. But in this passage, the apostle has something particular in mind, a particular kind of change, and it's in the verse that comes before that. He says, so from now on, we no longer look at people according to the flesh, whatever that means. We used to, but we don't do that anymore. Well, in effect, what the apostle's saying here is this. He says, look, before I was changed by Jesus, I used to look at people the way everybody looks at people. According to the flesh, according to the standards of this world, the way that, well, people think about people. And you know how we do that. I mean, isn't it true that if you think of the human race as a big pie up here, uh, how do we handle this thing called the human race? Well, we start slicing it. And we slice it between people that are like us and people that are not like us. People that live close to us and people live far from us. People who are in our socioeconomic bracket and people who are not. People who have education like me and people that don't have education like me. People live in my kind of house and people that don't live in my kind of house. People who have this kind of job and people that have those kinds of jobs. I mean, that's just the way people do. It's the way we figure out how to manage life, isn't it? Because once you start slicing up people that way, dividing them up and categorizing them according to the flesh, well, then you no longer have to worry about who you're going to pay attention to. Because you're going to give your time, you're going to give your energy, you're going to give your attention to people that are like you. And the others, they're not so significant. Now, when, when people go through biological changes, I mean, when they just grow up, you know, their view of the human race changes a lot. I mean, think about it this way. What, how do toddlers think about people, the human race? How do they think about them? Uh, well, there are all these big people that walk around saying no all the time. And then toddlers... Uh, think about a teenager. What does a teenager typically think? Well, a teenager typically thinks boys and girls. And uh, Think about young adults. How do they begin to think about life? Most of them think in terms of married and unmarried. No other categories. And what do young parents think? Those that have children and those poor people that don't have children. And then, of course, when you get as old as me and you become a grandparent, there's only two categories for the human race, grandparents and grandchildren. Nobody else exists. That's just the way it is. You go through biological changes, and your view of the human race changes. And what the apostle is saying is this. If you have those kinds of changes occurring as you go through the natural process of, of life, just imagine the kind of change that happens when you become new creation in Jesus. Change in the ways you look at people. We don't look at people anymore the ways that we used to. In fact, he actually says in this passage, at one time, before I became a follower of Jesus, I even looked at Jesus according to the flesh. And didn't you? I hate to tell you this, but Jesus was not an American. And Jesus did not have a good job. 
And Jesus would not have lived in your neighborhood. And he probably, sorry, Damien, would not have come to this church. He was not educated like most of you. And he didn't have a penny in his pocket. So if he were to be on the street, as he was in those days, and you went out and you saw him, you know exactly what you would do. It's just like you do to other people that you've seen on the street out here. You turn your face. But when you became new creature, the one you would have called a bum, a fanatic, a poor homeless person, you now call Lord. And the apostle is saying, if that's really happened to you, there should be this spillover effect. You should also be changed in the ways you look at other people as well. Think about humanity as this big pie up here again. And when you look at what Jesus does with people, he really only slices the pie one time. One time. Between those who are in Christ and those who are in need of him. Between those who are in your family, Christians, and those who need to be in your family, Christians. No wonder then he couldn't leave them alone. He was a Jew, yes, and they were Gentiles, yes. But he no longer looked at them that way. And if you and I change the way we look at people, we won't be able to keep our faith away from them either. Well, that's great. So the apostle says if you're changed, if you're a new creation, then something's going to change in the way you look at people. And you're not going to be able to keep your religion a private thing anymore. But he goes on, he says something else. I'm not just changed. I've been called to something, and it's absolutely unbelievable. Listen to how he describes it, beginning in verse 18. All this, all this change is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He's called, yeah, he's called. He's called to what he says here is a ministry of reconciliation. Wow, when was the last time you thought about yourself that way? That you got this ministry of reconciliation. I mean, I don't even know what that means usually, unless you really ponder it for a moment. Reconciliation is not a word we use a lot in ordinary life, so let's unpack it just a little bit. Uh, Basically, it means this. A, A ministry of reconciliation means that You've got these two people who are at odds with each other, and you've got a service to provide. And the service you're providing is you're in the middle of those two people. And you're trying to heal the rift. Uh, Family therapists do that. 
Marriage counselors do that. Sometimes friends do that too. They, the parents do it all the time between their children, don't they? When they're about to kill each other, and then when well, you get in the middle of it, you try to say, all right, now shake hands, say I'm sorry, all those sorts of things you make your kids do. And that's a ministry of reconciliation. I wish, I wish that what he was talking about here was as simple as getting people who are at odds with each other together. That we could work out. But that's not what he has in mind here. Rather than it being people who are at odds with each other, the apostle's talking here about the fact that God and people are at odds with each other. I mean, do you realize this? That when people turn away from the things of Christ, when they reject things like even the Ten Commandments, the series that you're involved in in this church, uh, what they end up doing is they are making themselves the enemies of God. Uh, they, they become people who are deserving of his judgment. And so they're, they're at odds with God. And in many respects, God is at odds with them too. There, there's trouble here in this relationship. And perhaps you, you feel like there's that kind of trouble. Let me tell you, if you're not in Christ, there is trouble. But the apostle says... I've been called get to get in the middle of that. How's that feel to you? I mean, we don't even like to deal with people at odds with each other. But can you imagine yourself being somebody who's been called to get in between God and people who have made themselves his enemies? I hear that, frankly. And I've been a minister for longer than most of you have lived. I hear that and I say, yuck. No, thank you. I just, you know, anything but that, please. But the apostle here, when he thinks about it, he doesn't say, yuck. This is what he says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were speaking through us. He doesn't say yuck. He says, let me tell you what this is. It's the greatest privilege you can imagine. You actually are becoming an ambassador of the king of the universe. Now, in his day, ambassadors were greatly honored people, just like many are today if you've ever met one. I had never met an ambassador until one time I was in the country that was then called Czechoslovakia. And I was with a team that was there. We were doing some mission work. And early in the morning, early in the morning, the leader of the team woke me up. He said, hey, Rich, you want to go see Shirley Temple? Shirley Temple? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple Black was the ambassador of the United States to Czechoslovakia at the time. Yeah, little Shirley Temple, the movie star child. Yeah, that one. And uh, so I said, yeah, let's go, let's go. Our senator had made it possible to have an appointment with her, so we raced to the embassy, going to see Shirley Temple. This is going to be cool. And I'm sitting in the back, of the back of the car, and people are saying to me, Rich, what are you going to say? I said, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, you got to. You're the professor. You're the professor. You got to say something. So, okay, I said, I know what I'm going to do as I was pulling my socks on. I'm going to ask her to sing Good Ship Lollipop because <laughs> I wanted to see if she could remember the words. So I'm practicing the song on the good ship and lollipop. You know, I'm going over in candy shop. I got it. Okay, yep, yep, yep. 
I was going to ask her. You see, you don't know this about me, but if I think you think you're somebody, I'm going to let you know I don't. So I was going to ask her. Uh, I'm still doing the... As I walk up to this big plexiglass window where the guard was, and he was the biggest, ugliest Marine I have ever seen in my life. Mean as a snake. You could just tell by looking in his eyes. And he just really didn't appreciate that very much. So I put my hands in my pockets, handed him my passport, stood there very meekly, and they finally let me in. I guess they thought I was a terrorist or something. But in all events, we got into her office, and she wasn't there. Her office was maybe half the size of this room. She wasn't in the office. She was at some appointment, and the group and I all sat down. Now, they knew exactly what to do. They were from Mississippi, so they knew how to be polite. So they all sat down, folded their hands, and put them in their laps, waiting for the ambassador to come into the room. But not me. I started walking around the room. Who is this Shirley Temple? And there were pictures of her all around the room, all around. And they weren't pictures of Shirley Temple, the childhood movie star. They were pictures of Shirley Temple with the Queen of England. And she wasn't curtsying. She was drinking champagne with her. They were Shirley Temple with the President of the United States, with Mao Zedong. They were Shirley Temple with the world leaders. And, you know, as I'm looking at these pictures, um, my impression of Shirley Temple was starting to change. Uh, this is a world leader. This is somebody that knows the people who are shaping the course of human history. This is somebody who's their friend. And just about that time, as that epiphany was happening to me, the big French doors opened up on the other side of the room. The group was between me and Shirley Temple. And there was the parting of the Red Sea. It was time for Richard to make his move. And as I walked down that path, there were a couple of students of mine that were doing this. Richard, Richard, Richard. Oh, they wanted me to do it so bad. And I walked right up to her, and I put my hand out, and I said, How do you do, Madam Ambassador? It is such a privilege to meet you. And I sat down. I didn't even think about asking her. Would you sing Good Ship Lollipop? Why? Because I realized how important she was. An ambassador of my country. Let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a privilege that's much greater than anything Ambassador Shirley Temple Black ever imagined. You are not an ambassador of something as trivial as the United States of America, which will come and go like every nation has ever come and gone. You are an ambassador of the king of the world. And his kingdom will never end. That's how much God has honored you. To the point that, as he says here, it is as if God himself were speaking through you. What more could you possibly want than to know that when you talk about your faith, it is God speaking 
through you as his ambassador, the ambassador of the king of the world. Now, you know what it's like. You see the opportunities come up. And you know this is it. I've got a chance to say something about what I believe. But often, we're so ashamed and so embarrassed. And we think of that as, ooh, I just really don't want to be like that. But the apostle is saying this. His religion wasn't private. He would tell other people what he believed. Yes, he would even raise the name of Jesus. Why? Because when you get those opportunities, you are being called to be an ambassador of your king. How could we possibly be ashamed of that? You know, you may not feel like you're doing much with your life, You may not feel as if your life is going to amount to much. I can understand that. That's the way I feel often too. But when those moments come, when your next door neighbor says something to you and you know this is it, when your fellow worker says something or you see something happen, the conversation moves in a particular way and you say, oh me, here it's coming, it's coming. I'm going to have an opportunity to let people know about my church. Don't shrink back. You want your life to amount to something? Be an ambassador. And let God speak through you. Yep, the Apostle Paul says, I'm changed. That's why my religion can't stay private. Yes, the apostle says, I'm called. That's why I can't let my religion be private. But there's a third thing he says here. And this is going to be the hard one. You ready for it? I know you. If you really believe you should be changed like this, you'll probably try to change this way. If you can get that vision of the great call you have, you'll probably pursue it and take advantage of those moments that the door opens. But here's the hard one. It's found in verse 20. Therefore we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want you to notice what he doesn't say. We preach at you, be reconciled to God. We command you, be reconciled to God. We invite you to be reconciled to God. We share with you that it might really be a good idea for you to be reconciled with God. Now, you can find those kinds of things in the Bible, so they're not all illegitimate, but it's just not what he's talking about here because remember, he's opening his heart up to them. What he says here is this. We implore you. And you know what that reveals, don't you? Not just that he's changed, not just that he's called, but that he cared deeply about the people around him. Uh, 
different translations put it different ways. Uh, the old King James Bible says, we beseech thee. Oh, that's a good word, huh? Beseech. When was the last time you used that word? Okay, implore you. Okay, we plead with you. We beg you, be reconciled to God. Every parent of older children in the room today will understand what I'm about to say. When you see your children begin to wander from the path of Christ and they begin to do things that are really destructive to their lives, it's almost your first natural reaction, especially for the fathers, to be angry. Start yelling. How can you do this? I've told you better than that. I've been teaching you better than that all of your life. What's wrong with you? You're grounded for the next 500 years. Okay, normal. But if that doesn't work, if the anger doesn't straighten it out, every parent knows what's coming next. You begin to plead. You begin to beg. You weep. Please don't do this. You don't know how much this is going to hurt you. Please listen to me. And that's what the apostle is saying in this passage. I can't leave you alone and watch you destroy your lives because I care deeply about you. And isn't that our problem? That all too often, we simply don't care? Sure, you're going to care more about some people than others, more deeply about some than others. But the people around you are destroying themselves. And they are the precious image of God. And we need to care. If you follow Christ today, let me ask you this question. Are you glad that Jesus cared about you? Enough to come to this planet? Enough to live the miserable life he lived? Enough to die on a Roman cross for someone like you? Are you glad that he cared about you? Are you glad that every single day he is before the Father in heaven pleading for you? Caring for you? If you have any sense of how precious it is that Jesus cares for you, your family, your children, it's time to begin to care about others as well.
Yes, that means you can't keep your faith a private thing. You know, it is true that today it's okay to be religious. It's okay to even be traditional. It's even okay to go to a Presbyterian church like you do. Can you believe that? Just keep it to yourself. Everybody will be fine with it. But the apostle says, look, can't do it. We've been changed, new creation. We've been called ambassadors. And because we know Jesus cared for us, we care about you too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for bringing change to our lives. We thank you for giving us the privilege of speaking on your behalf to others. And Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you care for us. Give us the strength, Holy Spirit, because we can't do it in ourselves, that's for sure, to be the kinds of people who say to others, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God.